Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Brown Bag. We are going to continue our series on NSXT tonight with Britton Johnson. He's going to be talking about NSXT security and distributed firewall. But before he does, a couple quick housekeeping notes. Uh, this is an interactive show, so those of you who are watching live, please engage with us either with the Q&A box here on Zoom or via Twitter using the hashtag VBrownBag. Also a reminder that we have multiple shows. Check out the times here that we have listed. If you want to join any of our other ones, you can also go to VBrownBag.com slash brownbags to check them out. If you missed any of our previous shows, we always post them up within a day or two on our YouTube channel. Pretty easy to find on YouTube. VBrownBag there as well. Uh, I'm your host, Ken Nalbone, once again for the series, and I'm going to hand it over to our excellent guest, VMware, VMware's own Britton Johnson. Britton, let me pass it to you. All right. Go ahead and share your screen. Get up all right, you got it? We got it. All right, welcome everybody. Thanks for joining episode three, part three in our um, minimum four-part series of NSX TV brown bags. Um, uh, again, I am Britton Johnson. I am a senior solutions engineer in the NSBU, uh, working in the healthcare sector for VMware. Um, I am a V-expert. I am in the V-expert NSX program and just got re-upped in that for another year. Thank you to the V-expert crew for that. Um, and that's just generally who I am. And that's what I do for VMware. So if you missed any of the first couple episodes we did, check again back on the, the V Brown Bag YouTube channel. We went through kind of a recap. We went through the um, general overview of what NSX is and does and all the good things it can do for you. Um, and then last week we did uh, a, deep diver, a, a deep diver into switching and routing and how NSX handles that. Um, and today we're going to take a look at um, how, how we look at security uh, in a software-defined model with micro-segmentation, distributed firewalling. Um, we'll go through some of the overview and architecture of that. Um, policy grouping, uh, some of those kind of options and methodology for you know, how to collect things together in policies. Um, you know, we'll do a little bit of troubleshooting, um, and that's where I'm going to cheat a little bit and go back over to another tool we have, which is Realize Network Insight. Um, we'll take a look at that for a bit. And then um, we will, after that stuff, I'm going to dive into some, you know, additional advanced firewalling functions with, um, you know, FQDN, URL whitelisting, so identity firewall, um, introspection services, which is going to key, especially for VDI and keeping endpoints secure. Um, and try to, if we, you know, if I don't completely go over on time, because I have a lot of stuff to get through tonight, um, you know, we'll take a look at the, how we handle bare metal security. So it's going to be a lot. Um, hopefully I don't get racing too fast. Um, and hopefully things kind of, um, come across, you know, as clear as possible, but there is so much to go through when, when we're talking about, you know, NSX as a security platform. Um, there's just a lot that it can do. And there's, there's really, you know, like, like with most things in technology, there's 50 ways to do anything. Right. Um, so I'm going to try to give you a two of those 50 tonight. So, 
some resources. Um, one of the key things that we'll talk about is, uh, you know, partner integration tools and, and things. Uh, so NSX, you know, we, we do a lot of our own internal security, uh, but a lot of, you know, a lot of customers like to use, um, you know, partner integrations from third party uh, security vendors, you know, like Trend Micros and Palo Alto and Checkpoint and, you know, all these various vendors who do security products on their own. Um, and they are partners of VMware. And so we have integration capabilities um, into NSX through through them. So the one of the key resources I wanted to point up today is, you know, we have a, a resource compatibility matrix so you can search through and basically say, you know, this is the version of NSX that I have deployed. Um, you know, what vendors are compatible with this and we'll show you, you know, which of their products, you know, plug into NSX and what they can deliver through that just to make sure that, you know, the version that you have deployed is serviceable by the version of product that, that you're implementing from these third-party vendors. Um, so, you know, very key to take a look at that stuff. Um, if you want to get through some of this stuff yourself, uh, the Lightning Lab out on Hands-On Labs, um, hol.vmware.com. Um, really cool and fun to go through that one. It's only 15 minutes um, just to kind of go through some, you know, gen basic uh, micro-segmentation firewalling practices. Um, you know, the Hands-On Labs right now are, you know, and, and as always, are, are a lot of fun to get through. Um, you know, a really good way to kind of get your, your feet wet um, in taking a look at how the product works uh, without actually having to go through the pain of deploying your own home lab. Um, so take a look at that. All right, let's get this party started, Ken. Please do, yes. All right. So overview and architecture. So for those playing along and watching this whole series, you know, you may have, you know, first of all, I wanted to say thank you. Um, you know, the, this has been a lot of work, but it's been good. Um, so then second, you know, you've seen this slide before, you know, this is the, you know, one of our standard architecture slides that show, you know, how we kind of produce and secure all traffic and things. Um, but what, what I wanted to add on top of this thing this time is, is sort of how we apply security to all this stuff. Um, and that's the next piece of this page where, um, you know, we have this thing that lays on top of all of those, you know, connect, connected workloads. Um, again, be they, you know, virtual machines, containers, bare metal servers, you know, every, all of it, um, is this thing called the distributed firewall. Um, and, and this is really how we can extend security, you know, from end to end, you know, with the distributed firewall and provide security wherever your workloads live. Um, and it's this thing that just is, it's embedded in all, all of our services. You know, it's embedded in all the nodes um, and, and, it, and it provides, you know, a security framework that, you know, we can lay policies on top of and, and you know, just really build it into your environment so that you're not just bolting on all these extra services. You know, that's, that to me is really the big, the big differentiation point of how we handle security is this whole you know, concept and notion of it being a built into the product as opposed to bolted on after the fact. And how we do that is, you know, through stateful services in, inside of the distributed firewall and there's, you know, option to have stateless services as well. Um, you know, we, we have, some, again, still support for multiple hypervisors with ESXi and KVM. Um, you know, the multi-workload virtual machine containers, bare metal, um, on-prem and public cloud, and, you know, um, 
sneak peek into next two weeks from now. Um, number four episode of this V Brown bag is the um, NSX cloud and HCX uh, migration. So that'll be sort of a, a nice way to wrap this up and we'll take a look at you know, how you know, we can extend security out to public clouds with NSX cloud and, um, and really get, get this stuff spread everywhere. Um, and we're going to, you know, the, the other piece of this is that I like to, to point out is, you know, all this stuff on top of the distributed firewall is grouped together. Um, and we'll look at, you know, how we work on those policies in a bit. So this is a high level overview of the management control plane and data plane and how it relates to the distributed firewall. Um, you could figure your policies at the NSX manager level. Um, which performs, you know, validation, stores your firewall configuration elements, such as rules, you know, so the different sections, the different grooving objects. Um, and then that policy gets pushed down to the control plane cluster. Um, the control plane cluster, you know, takes the rules you've configured and converts them into objects, you know, used, you know, in, in your rule definition, such as, you know, a logical switch or groups into IP addresses or MAC addresses or, um, you know, any of the various grouping methodologies, which we'll get into in a bit. Um, and, and that policy, you know, gets pushed then down into the hypervisor. Um, and what, what we want to show with this is, is again, how, you know, the configuration push is done from the management plane through the central control plane to the end transport node or hypervisor. Um, and then at the bottom here, you know, you see the, the three hypervisors, you know, the, the one on the left is, you know, they basically we're kind of showing how it's, you know, could be either or, could be ESX, could be KVM. Um, you know, you could also interchange some bare metal stuff in here. So, you know, it's, it's really how we've sep we separate this distributed data plane from the control plane so that, you know, the two are not necessarily um, in the way of each other. By the way, thank you for the uh, legend at the bottom of that slide, clearing up what those acronyms are. I was getting a bit confused. Ah, yes. Zoom in on that one later. We'll double click on it. Yeah. Double click on it. All right. The data plane. The NSXT transport nodes, you know, make a distributed data plane with the distributed firewall enforcement done at the hypervisor kernel level. So this, this is probably the big, you know, you know, major differentiation point that NSX has over, you know, most other security, you know, virtual is that virtualized security solutions. Um, you know, we're baked right into the hypervisor. It's part of the kernel. We can run, you know, line rate in the CPU. I mean, it's, it, it runs closer to the workload and more, um, I hate, I'm starting to not like the term micro segmentation all that much, but you know, it, it, it enables that, you know, granular, um, ability to get get to a zero trust network um you know but really more seamlessly than any other solution that I, that I have seen and i want to and i i'm personally can i'm keep me honest here i'm personally trying to stop using the term micro segmentation a little bit more and, and talk more about zero trust because in a security context that that usually plays a little bit better i think I think zero trust certainly plays well, but micro segmentation is such a clever marketing term. You can't let it go now, can you? Yeah, but it's been co-opted by so many other vendors. So I suppose, and, every, so. and everybody has a different uh, 
a bit of a different take on what microsegmentation means. And so it kind of lost its meaning. Oh, that happens with anything over time, I guess. Right. It's like, you know, it's the Kleenex conundrum. Is it a tissue or is it a Kleenex? Well, it's not a Band-Aid. That's right. So, all right, I've completely lost my train of thought now. So I'm going to keep pushing on. welcome for that. All <laughs> uh, right. All right. On, on our transport nodes, you know, once the local control plane has the policy configuration from the, the central control plane or the CCP, um, you know, it pushes the firewall policy and rules to the data plane uh, for each of the, of the, each of the virtual network interfaces um, with the, you know, the applied to field in the rule or the section which defines the scope of enforcement. Um, the local control plane makes sure that only relevant distributed firewall rules are programmed on relevant virtual NICs instead of every rule everywhere, which is not the optimal use of hypervisor resources. So that's kind of a key statement right there. You know, we're not trying to just do this blanket thing of wherever the workload is, just apply that rule everywhere. We're going to fine tune it down to exactly where it needs to be on the interface that, that, that it's actually, that's actually processing the workload at that time. Um, you know, we're, because we don't, need, we don't need, you know, a host that doesn't even have part of that workload to have a rule on it that doesn't pertain to a workload that's nowhere near it. Um, you know, taking up, taking up valuable resource on that node when it could be doing something else. Um, you know, it's sort of the, you know, the, 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 the idea of, you know, the government that governs closest governs best. So briefly looking at the KVM side of things, um, on, on, on the KVM, the NSX agent is the primary um, LCP component. You know, it receives the, uh, the distributed firewall configuration from the central control plane, you know, same as you know, any SXI node. Um, the NSX agent has a distributed firewall wiring module as a component. Um, you know, and obviously, again, the, 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 way, the way this is kind of worded bothers me a little bit because it's not, obviously it's not wiring, it's all software. Um, you know, it, we, early days of NSX, they used to be called virtual wires. They weren't all called logical switches. So a bit of history there. Um, the, uh, it, it, so this is used to generate open flow flows based on the firewall rules that were pushed from the CCP. Um, you know, stateless filtering is implemented through the OVS daemon, which is part of the open vSwitch distributions. Uh, and it implements the wiring implementation it's received from the local control plane uh, in the form of open flows. Um, and then statistics are exported through the management plane agent directly back to the NSX manager. Um, so again, I mean, I, I don't, I, I try not to spend too much time on KVM because I know it's not all that readily out there, but it does happen and it will come up on the exam as well. And again, if I, I think I forgot to mention this at the outset. This is mostly going to be based around NSXT 2.4, um, 2.5. We probably will have to schedule a uh, NSXT 3.0 update session now that it's GA. All right, so here's a look at the distributed firewall policy lookup and flow table and rule table. So, you know, we have a packet. and you know, the packet does a, a lookup on the connection table to determine if an entry for the flow already exists. 
So we hit the distributed firewall and here it hits, it hits the flow table lookup, you know, first to see if anything's there. If the flow is not found, we flow out to the rule table. We do a top-down order for our five tuple match. Um, flow on the packet hits rule two, which is allow. So the packet is sent out to the destination. So after that, because the action is set to allow for flow, a new entry gets created inside the connection tracker table and that packet is, you know, once it has transmitted out, subsequent packets um, are then processed in, in an order where a lookup gets performed in the connection tracker table to see if an entry for the flow already exists. And then any entry for flow three that exists in the connection tracker table, the packet is just straight up transmitted out. Um, it just kind of remembers your valid flow. I've seen you before, you know, be about your merry way. I'm definitely going to have to come back and watch the video on this part. Very useful information. I'm not going to retain all of it. Yeah, well, me neither. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Uh, okay. Um, so the other kind of piece of this is, you know, deploying NSX with a network overlay um, where everything happens in the overlay. Um, you know, shockingly enough, not every customer wants to do that. Um, so, so we give customers options and, and we can still do distributed firewalls even if you're deploying, you know, VLAN-backed, um, you know, virtual networks where the, we were where the VLAN still need to be created, you know, on the underlying network. Um, the, the, the big difference here is, you know, you still, you still have to add transport nodes to the VLAN back transport zones. Um, you know, the things that aren't required are logical routers, edge nodes, or even TEPs on the hypervisor transport nodes. Um, but you still do have to move away from the vSphere standard switch and the vSphere distributed switch um, in 2.4 and 2.5. This is a side note here. This is probably the biggest change in with vSphere 7 and NSXT 3.0 is uh, we now kind of support, again, the vSphere distributed switch uh, version 7. So they kind of took this thing um, and call, they call it now the converged vSwitch where um, the you know, vSphere has control over the virtual distributed switch in, NSX, in NSX and at the same time, NSX can also control it. So it's kind of a shared resource of sorts. Um, is my understanding. So we'll, we'll learn a lot more about that as we, we dive deeper into NSX 3.0 in the coming months. Sounds like everything old is new again. Pretty much. Okay. So for IP discovery, um, you know, the NSX distributed firewall and edge firewalls have a, have a dependency on um, virtual machine to IP discovery, which is used to translate objects to an IP address before rules are pushed into the data path. Um, this is mainly required when the policy is defined using grouped objects. Uh, VM, the VM to IT, I, excuse me, the VM to IP table is maintained by NSXT controllers and populated by IP discovery mechanism. Um, the IP discovery used as a central mechanism to ascertain the IP address of a VM, obviously. By default, this is done using either DHCP or ARP snooping. Uh, and the VM tools is the other mechanism used within ESXi hosts, which is optional. Um, you know, these discovered VM to IP can be overridden by manual input if needed. Multiple IP addresses are possible on a single virtual NIC as well. 
the IP and MAC addresses learned are added to the VMIP table that is used internally by NSXT for spoof guard and ARP suppression, in addition to firewall object to IP translation. That felt like a mouthful. It sounded like a mouthful. Congratulations yeah. on getting it all out. Yeah. Whew. IPv6. Um, and I'm just now recalling that somebody asked if, there, if IPv6 was supported for TIPS, and I still forgot to look that one up, Ken. Well, we'll just get to it later then, right? Yeah, I'm going to have to. Um, in general, though, IPv6 is supported. Uh, IPv6 discovery is required, however, so we have to have, uh, you know, neighbor discovery, VMware tools, and you know, it's configured in the IP discovery profile. Um, you know, by default, th these things are disabled in the discovery pro just in the default discovery profile. Um, in the rule settings, you say, you know, where the rule is applied to the two IPv6 um, as well, or instead of um, IPv4. So you can have to go through these various setting pages um, to configure and turn on IPv6 so that you can build rules around it. Another good thing to, to read up on and check in the uh, design guide like we talked about last time. No questions so far, I see. None yet, keep on rolling. We're doing good, great. All right. And good, Grouping good and great. Good and great, yes. We're grouping methodology and consumption. So we can collect the virtual machine inventory two ways, either directly from the nodes under management or through nodes in a vCenter. Um, you know, collecting and collecting this inventory to facilitate, facilitate automating, you know, host preparation on a vCenter cluster by cluster basis supports up to 16 vCenters. Um, you know, micro segmentation and collecting VM inventory to facilitate micro segmentation based on VM names and VM tags, um, or, you know, collecting a public cloud inventory for cross cloud Microsegmentation again is, can be based on VM names or VM tags. Tagging is probably, you know, the most efficient way of knowing your workloads are protected and making sure that things are, you know, where they need to be. Um, impl implementing a good, strong security tagging uh, methodology is, is, you know, what we, we at VMware was likened to, you know, some of, some of today's um, best security practices. Um, so, you know, definitely talk to your friendly local VMware resource about, you know, tagging policies and tagging methodologies. Um, you know, if, if you're coming from the traditional firewalling world of, you know, everything has an IP address, so just base all your security around IP addresses. Um, it's not, it, it, it works, you know, in, a, in this type of a firewalling methodology, but it doesn't work as well um, as, as a tagging strategy can. Because in a virtual world, um, and especially in DR scenarios, IP addresses change. But tags are forever. That's the idea. So we have a question that just came in. Um, Edwin was asking for someone that doesn't have an in-depth networking and security background, what would you suggest for someone with more of a VMware background to use to grasp, grasp some of these concepts? Um, so you're basically me, um, you know, I did not start out as a networking person. Um, you know, I was a, a vSphere admin who converted myself into an NSX admin. 
um, because really it, at the end of the day, it's all virtualization. Um, so you ultimately, like if you're a, if you're a uh, hands-on gearhead learner like me, you just got to get down in there and do it. Um, that's, that's my, my, my dirt, my one piece of advice for people who, 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 who if, if you feel like this stuff is scary, um, it's really not. Um, and, and in a lot of ways it's, it's, you know, like, um, a t- teammate of mine, Paul Mancuso, he likes to say, you know, the things in NSXT, we've kind of made them so that, you know, if you have a, a Cisco CCNA levels, you know, of knowledge, you can handle NSX, no problem. So. And definitely reach out to the community. We'll, we'll, we'll all, we're all here to help each other. Grouping constructs. So and we can group things in a variety of ways in NSXT. Um, so we do, you know, static members, IPs, max, criteria-based, and then the uh, identity-based firewall. Um, so for statics members, we're looking at things like segments, segment ports, um, groups, virtual network interfaces, virtual machines, IP, MAC, of course, is IPs or MACs. Um, the criteria-based one, this is the interesting one where, you know, we do logical ports and switches and virtual machines, but these can all be tags. Um, you know, you can, you can base things, you know, as part of, you know, you can, you can create tags based on these things, I should say. Um, and then there's also things like virtual machine OS name and type um, or the virtual machine computer name. Um, the virtual machine OS one is interesting because say you are a company who has, you know, Windows 2003 virtual machines still in existence and still doing things for some crazy reason, um, which does happen. Um, if you wanted to build, you know, a policy, you know, for all of your, you know, legacy operating system workloads that are still in production um, all these years later, you can, you know, turn on a couple of policies and say, hey, any machine that has this operating system, don't let it do X. Don't let it talk to this network. Don't let it go to the internet. And, you know, within a few clicks, you've, you know, basically siloed off all of that, you know, legacy security hole in your environment from being able to do really any damage. The identity-based firewalling, we'll look at this a little bit later, um, is really key use case here is for um, end-user compute. Um, so for, you know, Microsoft Remote Desktop Session Hosts, or RDSH, they call it now, um, which I still prefer the old name of Terminal Server for that, but that's just me. Um, AD groups in terms for also for just VDI in general, be it Citrix or our own VMware Horizon. Um, you know, we support pretty much all of them. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's identity-based firewalling. Well, again, we'll get into it. I think it's one of the more powerful um, tools that NSX has to offer enterprises today. So additional constructs here, you know, again, um, you know, you want to be consistent. Any object created in the advanced UI, as we looked at before, is not going to be visible in the simplified UI. So always try to be creating objects in the simplified UI. Um, you know, dynamic exclusions are not supported um, in these, you know, the VApps, resource pools, data centers, those group membership criteria are not supported. So choosing policies and methodology, grouping methodologies, um, you know, you all, of, of course, this kind of stuff is probably done in, for in most, most enterprise groups, it's probably done in a group setting. Um, you know, you want to choose the policy and grouping methodology before beginning the process. Um, and and I know that'll provide clear direction on how to tackle challenges along the way. Um, 
a uh, networking security TAM friend of mine named Ben. You know, he once gave an NSX presentation to our local VMUG entitled, You Can't Do It Alone. Um, and he was talking a lot about this of if you're deploying NSX in, a, in an enterprise environment, um, you know, you really can't just, you know, be a, an NSX god, as it were, and just say, this is how we're going to do things in this and in this environment. You have to do this, you know, and networking and security and IT in general as a team sport. Um, and you got to have everybody in, in, in the same boat. Otherwise, you're just asking for trouble. Um, and so, so that's where, you know, you're going to have to work, you know, and, and this is one of the other, th other, I think, benefits of NSX as, as a product as well as it brings teams together. Um, you know, it brings the compute guys in the room. It brings the networking guys in the room. It brings the security guys in the room, um, guys and gals. Um, you know, it brings us all together and, and makes everybody kind of, you know, communicate. And we've seen this countless times where our customers, you know, go to, you know, look at, you know, network policies and see how they affect, see how that affects things. And, you know, all of a sudden they're having to talk to the storage people who they haven't ever had to interact with before. Um, and so it's creating a lot of, you know, communication in organizations that wasn't there before. And it makes for, um, you know, organizations that can do things a lot faster in some reason, in some, in some cases. So looking at, you know, network based approach, um, you know, this is the traditional approach of grouping, you know, things based on either, you know, layer two or layer three elements. Um, you know, grouping can be based on the MAC address or IP address or a combination of both. Uh, NSX supports the approach of grouping these objects this way. Um, but the security team, you know, in, in these kind of areas needs to be aware uh, of networking infrastructure to deploy network based policies. Um, so, you know, and, and it's, of course, the, the other reason we kind of try to encourage people to go to go towards tags and, you know, other different ways of building security policies is the, the security rule sprawl, um, where the, you have just this massive list of rules, um, you know, is real, real high probability of that happening when you use a network-based approach. So in the infrastructure approach, you know, grouping is based on infrastructure like logical switches, logical ports, um, you know, XVM is connected to X logical switch and, you know, security teams need to work closely with network administration team to understand how those virtual connections are made and their boundaries that they are, you know, where the, where the boundaries exist. Um, on the application side in this approach, you know, grouping here is based on application type. So a VM tagged as web servers um, or production zone or something like that. Um, and application security gives those different things, give them different, the application, different security postures. Um, you know, the advantage of the approach is, you know, the security posture of the application is not tied to either network or infrastructure constructs. Um, security policies can move with the application irrespective of network or infrastructure boundaries. Um, and policies can be, you know, templated and reusable across instances. You know, the, the security team needs to be aware of the application of only the application needed to be secured based on these policies, um, you know, it's a lot more of a, a lot more flexible of a way to to build in and group things together in your environment. I don't know if you can see this. This is sort of a little animated GIF that kind of rolls through the different screens for how we have these, uh, you know, predefined categories in the distributed firewall. Yep. Um, it's coming through so, very well. 
So the, if you configure, you know, this, you configure the rule under the relevant category and the all rules, R rules are processed in what we call a top-down, left-right methodology. So, you know, we go from top-down, and if you go into the category-specific rules, you see the breadcrumb trail there going from left to right. But this is, the, you know, a way that we um, apply the rules in general. Um, you know, so, and again, the key point here is rules created in the advanced UI or legacy APIs are not visible in this simplified UI view. All right, so then looking at this, this is the whitelist blacklist connectivity um, ability in the environment. So, you know, when you whitelist something, it creates a default deny rule, which is visible in the advanced UI and it's created above the default rule section in the advanced UI. When you blacklist something, um, and here's kind of going through this, this, showing you the two different ways that that switch gets flipped. Um, the blacklist actually creates a default allow rule which is visible in the advanced UI and is created above the default rule section in the advanced UI. So, and, you know, and then obviously if you choose none, you know, you're, you're gonna use you know, whatever the existing rules are or other rules that are in there. All right, let's give this a whirl. I'm cheating, this is a pre-canned demo um, where we can look at how a layer seven app ID rule is, is set up. So he goes into the infrastructure area. You know, we have a, a application profile set up for shared services, so DNS, NTP, that kind of stuff. And we need to apply this to another application rule. So we're going to next look at the context profiles and edit our context profiles. And here's our NTP, DNS, Active Directory, you know, the server, the various, which the context profile defines the service um, for that profile. And then we look at the groups for the existing application. Those are the members of that existing application group. And then the new group we're going to set up is um, the one above it for HRM. And we're going to look at these memberships, you know, based on either VM name or these, you know, the, the one he's looking at now was based on tags. So the criteria for this membership is tag-based. Then we go back to our distributed firewall, category-specific infrastructure. And we can add multiple sources into that initial rule. And then on the application side, where we create our layer seven app ID rule. We're going to clone the rule for our new application, give it a name. Reset the services to the new application based on those tags and machine names that we set up before. And we publish the rule and the new application is secured. Like magic. Magic. All right, troubleshooting. Give me one second here. 
we doing on time? All right. So for troubleshooting, um, I'm a little disappointed that last week the uh, Network Insight talk on be brown back had to get rescheduled but so i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go into that a little bit here so for those not familiar um you, know, you should see this on my, on the screen there this is the v realize network insight uh, front yep. page we see so that. um v network insight is a you know standalone product that vmware has but it is also sort of a you know add-on bonus content amazing sister app to NSX. Um, you know, a, a lot of the value that the Network Insight has is, is paired, you know, with products like NSX. Um, and especially for troubleshooting, um, there really isn't a better tool for troubleshooting NSX. Um, you know, right, right off the get-go on the very beginning of the page, I mean, under the open problem section, you know, we're going to call out, you know, any, you know, issues and environments that are you know, causing problems in the environment, you know, including, you know, NSX system events. And then in addition to that, I mean, we can still dive into, you know, other, you know, specific events, you know, th that are happening throughout, throughout your entire network. Um, or if we want to just look at, you know, NSX events specifically, you know, we can dive into that, you know, and we will, I mean, this is our, our internal demo environment, so there's going to be all kinds of stuff in here. Um, so I really can't pick out anything specific. Um, but I mean, you know, if, if there, I, I've been in customer environments where they had um, firewall rules in the distributed firewall policy that were conflicting with each other. And right on the main page, you know, you, it, it, you know Network Insight was calling that out as an issue. Um, and, and, and it even will give, you know, resolution um, suggestions for those issues that it detects in the environment. Um, so this is, you know, an amazing tool. And if you're an NSX Enterprise Plus customer, you get Network Insight. So if, if you, you know, have NSX Enterprise Plus, you, you own Network Insight. So make sure you're using it. Um, and make sure it's up to date because there's always new stuff coming out for it. Um, the other thing I want to quick show for this is, you know, in terms of building a security policy, you know, the way we, you know, recommend customers build security policy in NSX is with Network Insight. Um, so, you know, to do security planning for an application, you know, it's really just as easy as what I just did. You know, we, you know, we, once your applications are built in Network Insight, we can see what they do. Um, and, you know, that it gives you this nice little graph of, you know, where traffic is flowing between what and where. Um, you know, we click into one part of the application and we say, you know, we want to build uh, security firewall policy, micro-segmentation policies for that application zone in and of itself. You know, how do we do that? Well, right at the top, you know, we, it kicks out these recommended firewall rules. Um, you know, and we can take and say, you know, these are all the flows for that section of the application. Um, you know, we will take and grab those and export them out. Um, to a, a file that NSX can consume directly and, you know, import them into NSX and, you know, it'll create the policies based off of traffic, known traffic that it sees in your application, you know, in production or in a test lab or however you develop, you know, your policies. And you know, it, essentially, it essentially gives you, you know, a known good state to work off of. So you're not having to necessarily guess, you know, what your application's doing. You can say, this is what's actually happening. And we can validate this traffic or, you know, or invalidate it, you know, to know in the future if something changed, you know, with the app and how it's performing or what's up, you know, what's going on with it, you know, we can see that. 
So, you know, this is my 60 second demo of network insight and, and kind of how, you know, we use this work for customers to, you know, plan their applications, plan their security, you know, planning compliance for, for different, different things you need compliance for, um, you know, showing how, you know, uh, workloads communicate. Um, I mean, this is an extremely powerful app um, and definitely uh, keep a lookout for Matt Just's Network Insight demo on V Brown Bag coming up. And for those who are interested, that one will be coming up on May 13th. Uh, and just to note, your 60-second demo is more like 90 seconds, so I'm going to have to penalize you, Britton. <laughs> In the penalty box. All right. So basic, otherwise standard, you know, firewall troubleshooting rules, you know, still apply um, for NSX, you know. So the DWW rule hit count, you know, is, is it an available way for you to obviously see, you know, is my firewall rule getting hit? So if you don't happen to have network insight and you, and you aren't able to, you know, dive into a workload and see, you know, if a, if a rule is getting processed by network insight, which you can do, um, you know, you, you can look inside of NSX and see, you know, yeah, is this particular rule getting hit or not? Um, you know, so it's, it's you know, standard stuff people have been doing in firewalls for years. Um, and of course, anybody who's ever had to troubleshoot a firewall is, is always the first question anybody ever asks is, have you looked at the logs? Um, because that's generally firewall troubleshooting 101 is you start digging through logs. Um, and of course, fire, you know, firewall troubleshooting 101 was just to allow all traffic through. Is that not the case? It depends on the crisis and the application. Sure. But, you know, the circles I've been in, it's always been like, well, let me look at the logs and I'll get back to you. So, you know, you can either, again, you know, the logs are kept locally on each hypervisor, of course. Um, if you really want to parse through yourself, parse, parse through that file, you know, in a manual way. Um, otherwise, you can, of course, you know, export these things out to a syslog, like Virilize Log Insight, um, or, you know, your favorite uh, syslog tool of choice. So for uh, data plane rule realization verification, those are two big words. Um, so, um, and I actually have customers who do some custom APIs to do some of this, um, where, you know, they, you know, have a script that runs across their entire, you know, range of hundreds of hosts, and it kicks back a report that says, you know, these firewall policies, you know, have been successfully or not successfully applied um, to a given workload. Um, you know, so there's, like, like with everything, and like, like I said at the beginning, you know, there's 50 ways to do everything. I'm just trying to give you a couple um, and, and, you know, try to highlight some of the stuff that you might see on an exam as well. You know, and, and part of the, this rule um, realization command line tools that you're seeing here might be something you might see on the exam. They do like to get into some of that command line stuff on the exam. So folks watching on YouTube, rewind a few seconds so you can get these. Yeah, and then the syn syntax matters in that case as well. So, same same thing for KVM. Uh, we're going to pull that stuff out, um, you know, and, and do it. You can do it, you know, in the, in the command line of the KVM host itself. Um, you know, otherwise, you know, Network Insight or some other tool is your best friend. Okay, getting through it here. Um, Context-aware firewall. So this is more of that layer seven app ID stuff. Um, so, you know, we have a, a built-in list of apps that are supported, you know, same as we did in NSX for vSphere. 
Um, however, in NSXV, we support sub-attributes of TLS, in, but in NSXT, we now also support uh, sub-attributes for, for SIFs and Cypher Suites and, and for TLS as well. Um, you know, this can be used in combination, again, with uh, RDSH or, or, or identity-based firewalling, um, which was not available in NSX for vSphere. Oh, I forgot that little animation right there. So use cases. So here we're allowing blast protocol, you know, over port 22443, and then we can block RDP going over that same port. Um, you know, here it's about blocking based on application protocol version um, as well, you know, for, you know, TLS 1.2 is allowed, but not 1.1 and 1.0 is blocked. Um, and we're also making sure that we block apps irrespective of the ports used. So port and app ID based enforcement. This is a breakdown of different layers of the distributed firewall rule application, what it looks like. Um, you know, and here we can do you know, either a rule based on just layer four, um, a rule based on layer four and layer seven, or layer seven only. Um, you know, it all depends on your granularity level of requirements in your environment. So the L7 app ID rules would be, a, you know, a really great way to restrict traffic based on known good protocols. You know, you can filter out traffic from weak applications with compromised old versions of SSL or TLS or SMB or SIFs. Um, and, you know, we apply those to specific apps or globally to protect everything. Um, that's why they talk about how, you know, you can, you can do kind of guardrail rules um, to disallow specific unsecured older protocols in your environment with this. All right, I'm gonna try and talk my way through this. This is a challenging couple of slides here. So the, v, the, the data path inspection engine or the, the VDPI you see here, you know, we send the DFW rules down to the VSIP and, you know, then that comes out and is inspected at the VMware SFW stores and the DFW rules and then the connection table and context table, you know, per logical port. The VDPI inspects that packet at layer seven, returns it back to the VSIP. Through the DV filter user. Oh, there it is. Okay. And the DV filter is data path that is used to exchange packets between VDPI and VSIP. So, on a packet flow, so the new flow is initiated from the client VM. We check the flow table. And if there's no match in the flow table, so then we check the rule table. Um, if the packet matches a rule with layer seven app ID in the context profile, an entry gets put into the flow table, and then the packet is punted to the VDPI engine and released to destination. The DPI engine works out the app ID info and updates the context table. A maximum of 10 packets for the flow are punted to the DPI engine to support determining app ID. Um, that, you know, that's how we achieve our line rate performance. 
the the VDPI can determine app ID based on the first, usually based on the first packet. Um, VDPI determines the app ID, the VDPI programs the app ID mapping to flow into the context table. This maps a flow to an app ID in the next packet. We don't punt the VDPI. We compare the context table and the flow table, and we compare with the rule table. So once it's matched, then the remaining packets for that flow are matched against the connection table in the kernel, checking against the flow table. And then we're just going. So some considerations, the layer seven app ID, you know, is not supported on or in the gateway bridge or firewall, KVM, bare metal servers, NSX cloud. Uh, the CNI plugin or redirection rules. A little bit of comparison with the NSXV and NSXT. Um, I think the the main things to note, you know, are the the, the different application versions that we didn't support before, cover before, um, and some of the context profile differences. Distributed firewall advanced functions for URL whitelisting. So for FQDN whitelisting, you know, this is where we have, um, you know, specific domains on the internet or specific cloud services that workloads need to connect to, um, you know, and we want to allow or deny based on, you know, those specific um, destinations. So we use DNS snooping to map the FQDN to the IP. Um, you know, today there is no category capability where we're going to say, you know, business services or sports services or whatever. Um, you know, those are coming in future releases. Um, you know, today in, in, in NSXT 2.4 and 2.5, we have support of, you know, out-of-the-box pre-canned list of URLs. Um, you know, again, this is expanding to offer even custom URLs in future releases. And you know, built into 2.4 and 2.5, there is not support for you know cl uh, service classification for um, these third-party URLs or rep reputation-based services. But that's also coming um, in future versions. So you know, for this, we're looking at you know the same architecture as the Layer Seven firewall, where we use the VDPI engine at, for URL. Uh, deep packet, you know, inspection, um, and you, you on top of that, we use you know the DNS snooping to map the IP to the FQDN. Um, and the you know, interesting piece of this is that it does support, you know, it does work still with vMotion. So you know the con the the FQDN context moves with the machine. So in the workflow, you know, we you know start off initiating a DNS request. Um, or you know, say Office 365, DNS request matches you know, in the layer seven DNS rule. DNS request is punted to the VDPI engine and released to the destination. Um, you know, DNS response matches the connection table entry, and then the last, and the DPI extracts the IP and FQDN from the DNS response. 
the VDPI program is mapping to the data plane. The enforcement workflow, we do uh, an HTTP GET for Office 365, uh, initiated from the client VM. The, the destination IP is matched against the IP FQDN table in the data plane. The connection entry then gets added into the connection table. Packion is set, packet is sent to the destination, and subsequent packets for this flow are evaluated based on the connection table. So same real architecture that we use for most everything else. And again, some considerations. Um, you know, we, we only really work on ESXi. Um, so the other hypervisors, uh, you know, bare metal servers, those things, we will not have this as, as of yet. Identity firewall. Any other questions, Ken? Uh, there's one, it's kind of off topic. I'm gonna save it for the end. All right. I'm still going to ask because it gives me a second to you know, take a drink. Sure. I'll, I'll spit it out while you <laughs> take a pause. So Edwin was wondering if um, during the series you'll be covering the differences between NSXT data center and NSXT for VMC on AWS. Oh, no. <laughs> that was, that was no. easy. No. Yeah, I'm going yeah, to punt on that one. Um, I mean, there, there are subtle differences, and I have not um, dived into the VMC side all that much yet. Um, I know there, it, I know there are differences, and that's that's enough that I will say about that. So, uh, back to the identity-based firewall. Um, you know, this to me was one of the the when when, NSX, when I first saw NSX for vSphere, the, the identity firewalling capability that it had. Um, I, in my opinion, the small as I might be. Um, I thought that this was the most underutilized service in NSX for vSphere um, because, you know, you know, the, the, fir the very first, um, you know, production deployment that I did for you know, my employer back in the day of NSX for vSphere, we did turn this on and I could, if I had a set of user desktops, you know, with their gateway and security policies and everything happening inside of an NSX network, um, I could turn on the identity-based firewall, and these are not VDI devices, these are desktop devices, and I could make, you know, the whole data center disappear from the user's view based on who the user was. Um, and, you know, that for some reason, that identity firewalling capability never really got a lot of attention or took off all that much. Um, but we're kind of, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's still here, and I'm glad we're kind of doubling down on it because um, the capability of, you know, so somebody compromising an account based on who on a user you know who has access to a VDI to get into your data center, pretty high, um, and and so being able to say you know X user of a, of a virtual desktop you know can't get to anything else outside of one of these subnets or one of these networks, um, or one of these clusters for that matter, um, is a really powerful thing to do, to do for your environments, and this is especially true today. Um, in today's medical environments where we have, you know, hospitals who run all of their workstations in VDI. Um, and, and unfortunately, you know, threat actors are constantly attacking, um, you know, medical centers and hospitals and bringing them virtually to their knees and not being able to support patients because of things like, you know, virtual desktops being compromised. Um, so that's where, you know, NSX on top of VDI really, you know, can help avoid those scenarios. 
so feature use cases for VDI, um, you know, again, we cover, you know, VDI, be it, you know, VMware Horizon, um, Citrix or Microsoft Remote Desktop session hosts. Um, you know, in, in this example, you know, the, VD, the VDI system controls the, the user access to the virtual machine. And then after that part is done, you know, we can, we control the NSX security policy from the virtual machine to the applications and the rest of your network in that case as well. So it's really a, you know, sp split security model where, you know, the VDI system does what it does to get the user into the machine. And then we do what we do to secure everything else. In the RDSH example, um, you know, we control access, you know, once the RDSH to apps, you know, using the ID, ID, ID firewall policy. Um, so, you know, it's, it, this is again, based on, you know, Active Directory groups. So, you know, the Active Directory group here, you know, allows access to this remote desktop session. And then, you know, it, we, it'll either allow access to the app or it won't based on, you know, Active Directory. And then, then we, we will enforce that policy uh, based on Active Directory group membership. And I noticed you say it says they're only MSID, so no like LDAP. Correct. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll actually directly integrate um, NSX Manager with Active Directory, uh, in you know, for. Um, this particular firewalling capability. Cool. So the, the other um, pieces that are required for this, you know, is VMware Tools version 10.3 or later. Um, you know, this is probably one of the main things we see in customer environments where people deploy VMs and, you know, they install tools once and then they never update them. Um, you know, this is uh, really should be part of your patching strategy across your environments every, everywhere. This is just good security strategy. Um, make sure your VMware tools, you know, are up to date, uh, because then you can take care and take advantage of, you know, new, you know, new things like this with NSX when they come along. Um, otherwise, you know, it's, it, again, it's just good, it's just good patching policy. I think you just made Bob Plankers very proud. I, I know. I, I, I didn't want to invoke Bob, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> there you go. On the guest and host operating system side, you know, um, you know, as NSX advances, these operating systems are going to advance as well. Um, so that's why you're not seeing, you know, like Server 2019 in here and some some of the some other newer things. But uh, you know, again, the key points here are um, Active Directory only and and update your VMware tools. So we used to use this, this methodology of log scraping, which is not supported currently in, NS in NSXT or not supported anymore. Um, you know, so there was some um, customers who even on a VDI base um, where they did not have tools installed in a machine, we, they would use log scraping to do uh, identity firewalling. Um, so in those environments, if you're, you know, you're a VDI shop, um, but you don't have VMware tools installed, you know, the recommendation is you know, install VMware tools so that you can get that enforcement. All right, I got to start flying through some of this stuff here. I want to get to some other stuff before I run out of time. 
If it's enough material and you want to schedule another session, by all means, we can do that. Yeah, I, I think we'll get through it here. Um, NSXT, NSXT. All right. So you can, people can pause this slide and look at it if they really want to look at NSXT versus NSXT. Guest introspection. Um, you know, this is again where we come in with, uh, you know, agentless antivirus and, and agentless anti malware in the environment. So guest introspection is what allows. Customers to deploy thing, you know, uh, you know trend, the trend macros of the world, um, deep security and things like that into their environments and, and apply, um, you know, distributed um, security policies across uh, you know, VDI or, or other um, workloads. So the big deal here is guest introspection um, before uh, the move to 2.4, 2.5 is there was a, a, a separate service that fills this blank box here called the GIS VM and that, that machine was deployed to each node and now we've pushed that into the kernel. Um, so it's, you know, we've sort of flattened the footprint as it were of, of how we can do guest introspection in NSXT. Um, and this, this makes things a lot, you know, more streamlined and gives partners as well a lot more flexibility in their deployment where um, the partner machine doesn't have to be, you know, one size fits all. It can be a different size based on different size workloads. Uh, all right, this is basically where I wanted to wrap up. So bare metal security, uh, micro-segmentation for physical backed workloads. Um, and, and I wanted to get to this here because this is one of the, you know, key new use cases for NSXT is the ability to connect into these, you know, physical VLAN backed or overlay backed workloads. Um, you know, uh, protecting physical workloads outside of, you know, the virtualization domain of, of vSphere, you know, is a, a, a critical security play that we need to be able to control, um, you know, and we can do, you know, bare metal connectivity with VLAN backed workloads, you know, or um, overlay backed workloads, you know, in, in a physical world as well, um, where, you know, they're connected on the same overlay logical switch. Um, we also have the ability, the, these additional use cases for uh, physical to virtual to physical or physical to virtual micro segmentation. Um, where we can stand up a stateful layer four firewall uh, with the open vSwitch based NSX enforcement running inside the physical endpoint. Um, and again, you will know, we'll also can do the physical to physical micro segmentation with stateful layer four firewalling um, OVS based NSX agent inside the physical endpoint. Um, you know, and those are in 2.4, 2.5, those are primarily all Linux based uh, in you know, physical nodes um, that would come under con controls in NSXT fabric node type. Um, but again, in NSXT 3.0, we're moving into Windows Server 2016 um, as a supported operating system. So we can, so if you have physical workloads that you want to do this bare metal connectivity and security for, um, you know, NSXT 3.0 has you covered there now as well. So how it works, um, you know, the application, you know, is it, 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 application running on the bare metal server, you know, either web server, or DB server, whatever it is, um, you know, we stand up an application interface and that represents the NIC to which the application uses for sending and receiving traffic. Um, and then we also stand up, you know, a, sort of a, a vSwitch in the environment, in, in the physical box itself that represents the NIC by which the, the bare metal is managed. Um, and then the virtual interface is the peer application interface, which is attached to the logical switch. So that's how the application gets its connectivity. So we stand up this, you know, software service inside the bare metal server um, and, and that, that software service 
you know, effectively gives us full network management and control um, of that bare metal workload. And, and this is, you know, pretty cool stuff the way you see this. Um, uh, so, so if you have, you know, those legacy applications out there that you can, you know, do, that you have the ability to move this stuff into, um, you know, NSXT for security, you know, this is an option for, for customers. The bare metal server modes supported, um, you know, we, again, we can do, you know, VLAN overlay or, you know, underlay zero VLAN, VLAN zero mode, where it's just a, you know, single NIC connected in. Um, but, you know, it, again, where we're trying to give customers as many options as possible for connecting, you know, and, and securing all workloads across the environment. Um, and with that, I'm going to wrap it up. All right. Um, I'm looking in the Q&A right now. I don't see any asking questions. If you guys have any questions, feel free to ask them now. And while people are getting those questions in, I'm just going to remind folks this will be up on our YouTube channel in the next day or two. If there are slides that you know you may have missed because you joined late or we were running through them quickly at the end there, check out the YouTube channel, V Brown Bag, pretty easy to find, uh, and watch this or any of the other videos in the series uh, to get caught up. All right. Let's see if there's anything in the Q&A. Nothing right now, so I'm just going to say Q&A going once, going twice. Before I say going, gone, thank you very much, Britton. Really appreciate you uh, doing the series for us. We'll see you folks next time. And no questions in the Q&A, so I think we'll call it a night and say goodbye. All right. Thanks again. Thanks, Britton.